variants. What if the real Spencer is like super hot, like Brad Pitt type Spencer variant out there? That's like the real Spencer. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you go, Spencer. I know you're out there. <laughs> Welcome to the Art of Costume Blogcast. I'm Elizabeth Joy Glass. And I'm Spencer Williams. <laughs> I love your arm gestures that nobody can see. Enthusiasm. I was trying to practice enthusiasm, so I sound more alive. Did it work? Sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> How are you, Elizabeth? Oh, I'm still... I'm still chugging along. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Crazy work week, so. <laughs> I'm feeling a lot better. After the last time we spoke, I then put myself in bed for a couple of days. Good. I watched hours and hours of Naked and Afraid XL, so I learned a lot of survival, you know, practices, techniques, while I was in my bed, resting up, getting over my sickness. So we're prepared for the end of the world. Yeah, or if, like, we end up, maybe our plane crashes in the middle of the Louisiana swamps, I should be able to get us through at least 60 days alone. Okay, I'll, I'll be counting on you for that. Yes. <laughs> I've developed a new want for gator meat, because that's what they eat a lot and Naked and Afraid. It sounds like we have to go back to Louisiana then. Yeah. <laughs> Our New Orleans trip was like my favorite trip we've ever been on. That was so much fun. That that was our best trip ever. We will have to go back. We have a lot of stories. <laughs> we could yeah. do our own podcast about that trip and the time you and I held each other in a haunted New Orleans graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> Trying not to get into any open portal. <laughs> yeah. And what was it like? 10 p.m. or something it was like dark and scary out and we were just like alone yeah it was dark and scary out but so fun anyways elizabeth what are we watching this week spencer we are watching one of disney plus's latest hits loki Ooh, loki my favorite of the anti-heroes <laughs> oh we know <laughs> we know Oh, <laughs> uh, I loved watching this again. It was so fun. I love this show. I'm not sure which one I liked more, WandaVision, Loki, or Falcon and Winter Soldier. I still feel like it's WandaVision, but Loki was like so close for me. It's so good. I know. I know. I WandaVision really like, because they just like, they get you in the heart with WandaVision. But Loki's like such a, like, it's so close. It's different. It's like a crime thriller, you know? It's more about, like, Loki's a detective all of a sudden, which is kind of cool. Detective Loki. Detective Loki figuring things out. Get Let's get into it, Spencer. Give us your summary. Okay. <laughs> After stealing the Tesseract... During the events of Avengers Endgame, an alternate version of Loki is brought to the Mysterious Time Variance Authority, also known as the TVA, a bureaucratic organization that exists outside of time and space and monitors the timeline. They give Loki a choice, face being erased from existence due to being a time variant, or help fix the timeline to stop a greater threat. Loki ends up on a path that could change the very fate of time, Shaping the future of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Boom. I could not have summarized it better myself, Spencer. Everyone who has not watched Loki, that is your spoiler warning from here on out. We're going to spoil everything. There will be nowhere to hide. 
I'm actually going to try to spoil everything this week. That's how big the spoiler warning is. Yeah, so go go watch it. You've been warned. <laughs> oh my gosh, what if we didn't spoil it and a TVA showed up and actually like pruned us? Oh my gosh. And then alternate universe selves actually did the spo- like spoilers. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I'll be honest, that's a finer point of the show that I did not understand how it was one timeline, but when they prune somebody, I don't understand how all those different Lokis came into being with there being a singular timeline, but I do know I loved it. <laughs> That's all I know. Yeah. You know, like that meme with the character who has like the cork board and the red lines all over the board. That was like me this entire yeah. film trying to figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> I still loved it. Yeah. You have it. Cause like at the end, even I feel like them not explaining it lets you enjoy it, which I very much appreciated. Yes, yes, totally, 100%. So, let's go behind the wardrobe. Uh, The series creator was Michael Waldron. Costume designer was Christine Wada. And, yeah, she's been in costume for a long time, but her costume, her role as a costume designer has been, like, kind of all over the place. This was really her first, like, sci-fi film her notable work is Bridesmaids, Pixels, which is a fun movie if you've never not seen it. I was, like, actually surprised how much I liked that. <laughs> anyway, I digress. And Zombieland Double Tap. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sold. It also looks like she has, like, a little bit of um, horror work in her, in her past, all of which I, I didn't really recognize. Like, I... Saw it, but I didn't really recognize it, like The Unborn, which I remember seeing trailers for that when it came out and being just absolutely horrified. But that is our costume designer, Christine Wada. And honestly, all of our behind the wardrobe facts are like in the episodes. So let's just roll into it. (laughs) She said behind the wardrobe, the wardrobe's closed. You're going to get your facts during the episode. (laughs) I will pull, I will pull the rat. I'll pull the hangers out of the wardrobe and show them to you one by one. (laughs) She has taken the notes from the wardrobe and put them into the sacred timeline of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what I've done. With that, I think we should take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into this crazy, confusing, what's-going-on world of Loki, the TV series on Disney+. Yes! to get into episodes one and two one glorious purpose two the variant i'm so ready i think i'm ready you are ready no matter what i think i'm on a sacred timeline so whether i'm ready or not it's not up to me it's up to the sacred timeline we are on the most sacred timeline spencer ours is that's what we think until we mess something up and then the tva shows up in my bedroom and kidnaps me and prunes me (laughs) (laughs) So, Loki, our beautiful Loki, has escaped from the Avengers and landed in Mongolia in his classic 
green, gold, black Loki armor. Uh, He's doing his whole shtick where he wants to be leader of the world. But then these really super weird random people come in and are like, you're in violation of the timeline. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they take him to the TVA. And he's like, I don't, I'm a god. What's going on? They're like, sign this. (laughs) We're going to just vaporize your clothes. Are you a robot? Is this everything you've ever said? (laughs) Is this everything you've ever said? To your knowledge, are you a robot? Yes or no? (laughs) That might have been my favorite line because he was like, what if I don't, what if I, what if I am and I don't know? And they're like, oh, you're just going to be vaporized to death and that'll be that. (laughs) It was so funny. It was such a fun intro. It was nice seeing like the Avengers 2 and old Loki and like that cool armor that I've loved forever. Loki's always had like the coolest armor, debatably. Um, no, not debatably. He has the coolest armor. I'm not, it's not up for debate. Yeah, it's not for the de- debate. He has the coolest armor and it just gets like zapped right off him. I know, monsters. <laughs> and then he just <laughs> falls into his TVA jumpsuit. And the, what was that? The looping collar? Or what was that called? I don't know. I just thought it was the mean TVA collar. I didn't know it had a name. It has a name. I don't remember what it is. But I love how it's like, yes, our it's our Loki. And then it's just like, why is Loki in a jumpsuit? <laughs> it's a nice jumpsuit, though. I mean, like the, the lettering on it looks new, freshly printed, some clean little jumpsuit. I'm into it. I know, like, he, he pulls the jumpsuit off. I like, because clearly, like, orange is the TVA's color, so there's just, like, TVA on the front. And it's, like, it's just so, like, it's so basic and mundane, though. So, like, on him, you're just, like, what is happening? Yeah. It's just, it's so frustrating, though, these first scenes, because you're, like, all of a sudden you're rooting for Loki. You're, like, he doesn't know what's going on, and I don't know what's going on. Like, please don't prune him. <laughs> Please don't prune him. We're all very confused. I like his little blue collar, but the people at the TVA just don't care. They just don't care about Loki. They don't care. You're in violation of the sacred timeline. He's like, I don't know what that is. I must say, the TVA, they're assholes because they really do not explain anything to anybody. And they're really upset at all the variants. And the variants are like, what the did I do? Which, this is a part that confuses me, okay? I'm just gonna bring us out of this a little bit, because we've all seen Avengers Endgame. So, and they they did explain this, though, but it still bothers me, because uh, the Avengers were time-traveling to get, you know, the Infinity Stones in Endgame, and that's how we see Loki again. And Loki even says, like, the Avengers are the criminals. They were time traveling to stop me from becoming, you know, to stop me from me eventually winning over, you know, my battle for Earth. And they said, well, that's supposed to happen. And it just was so mind blowing to me. I'm like, so who is deciding what is supposed to happen and what isn't supposed to happen? Because how how did this happen? I don't know. I'm confusing myself talking about it. It's Jonathan Majors being crazy and alone who <laughs> decides what happens. <laughs> it's not fair, but I guess we're jumping ahead. <laughs> we are jumping way ahead. We got to talk about the TVA, because although they are strange, they are kind of snappy dressers. They are. And it's like you got the hunters, which are the ones that like go out and like get the variants. And then it's just like super corporate. <laughs> uh, we have Agent Mobius. And then Ramona Rensselaer, she's a judge. She's kind of in charge. 
It's just like the most mid-century corporate you could get. It's so funny. It almost feels like to me it has like a little bit of a 70s influence to it also. Yeah. Well, in an interview with Collider, Christine said the influence was Mad Men, kind of like taking it from that place and just kind of like twisting it around a little bit. She said they kind of, they also went to like, you know, thinking about police stations and the DMV <laughs> as inspiration for like how the TVA works structurally. And she's like, from there, like, I took kind of like those stereotypes and what you would typically think of for like, you know, a 1960s, 1970s DMV and just like twisted it a little bit to like make it feel real. But also like that little sci-fi, like things aren't quite right. (laughs) So especially with Renslayer, they talked about her costume a lot because she's definitely the one in charge. She's always in charge. And her and the actress had a lot of like back and forth about like, well, what does it mean for her to be wearing like a skirt or dress versus wearing the pants? And they kind of like came to this conclusion that like, They wanted her to be powerful with a flair of femininity. They were like, we don't have to put her in a pantsuit for her to project the kind of power that she holds at this place, which is why she has the, like, the pant and the collar top, but she has this really sick, long, like, overcoat that goes down and almost looks like a little dress. Yeah, I love that costume. It's really cool. And I love when she has a sash over it, too, with that gold and orange on it. Just uh, all the colors work so beautifully on her. Yeah, the colors are great. And it like one of the things with like the the color, she was like, you know, brown and like yellow, like they're not really like sci-fi colors. She was like, it usually doesn't look like that. But she's like, it also like lends to the mystery of the TVA because this is a super like sci-fi situation. It's Marvel. Of course, it's like sci-fi fantasy superheroes. But she's like. But with this, like, very drab color palette, that brings in the mystery of it all. Because it's like no one knows what's going on. Yeah, that's also something that is weird, too. Because it's like the TVA stands outside of time, you know, outside of this timeline looking in. So they could, they've seen, you know, the entire length of existence. So why are they choosing to dress like a 60s, 70s DMV corporate office. Like you mentioned, it's so mysterious and odd. Yeah. You could do anything. They literally could do anything. They've been to Asgard. They've been to it's Earth. It's so strange. They've been to all these weird realms and planets, but they choose this look. It's very interesting, very mysterious. It is very mysterious. Even more mysterious is what the hunters do. They're just around here like pulling people out of their lives and charging them with crimes they don't understand. (laughs) So particularly we have um, Sasha Lane as Hunter C-20. That's another thing. I didn't realize till I was like searching everything. I was like, oh, the hunters don't have names. And then Wumi Musaku as Hunter B-15. They both just look so badass in these costumes. (laughs) Oh, right. I love it. See, it's weird. Like, like we were just talking about Mobius and the judge having that like very drab kind of 70s DMV looks. But then the hunters have like really like cool, almost kind of very futuristic armor 
which looks really badass. It's like futuristic SWAT team. Yeah. Because <laughs> they come in, they like fix the situation and they like get right out of there. Ooh, I love the Lovecraft Country reunion we see in this show, by the way, with Wunmi Masaku, who we just talked about, Ruby from Lovecraft Country. I know. We get Jonathan Majors a little later on. I bet you the casting director was watching Lovecraft Country and was like, mm, you know, this is it. I want these people. Him and her. Yeah. We're taking them. <laughs> uh, but these costumes are actually super interesting. Um, in an interview with Insider, she said, I'm not sure that anybody picked up on the Escher op art sort of Harley Quinn pattern that I did on the Minutemen. So I was not sure what she was talking about. So... Their costumes look entirely black, but they're actually like a combination of black and brown. And they use the Harley Quinn diamond pattern on the costumes to kind of like interchange those. So because she wanted it to have this kind of like them to have this kind of like not quite there kind of fading in and out look. So she took the Harley Quinn pattern and I had forgotten about MC Escher. And, like, his optical illusion art, and it really reflects that. Because, like, they are very strange. They, like, come in and out of time, and, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's not really, like, supposed to happen. But there they are doing it, and I love how she visually put that into the costume. Wow, that's crazy. I I had no idea. I'm looking at these pictures you're showing me, and I'm just over here like, oh, wow. I, Yeah. That's really brilliant, actually. Yeah, because she says using the Harley Quinn pattern. I'm like, honey, this is Marvel, not DC. Why are we bringing <laughs> Harley Quinn into it? <laughs> so I had to like look up real quick. And I was like, I didn't realize Harley Quinns were like clowns from the 16th century in Italy. Mm. And like the diamonds come from them using like scraps of fabric to make their clothes, to make their costumes. And then, like, M.C. Escher, it's, like, you see his work all over the place. Uh, he was known for, like, his illusion art and, like, how apparently mathematics were, like, super important, how he created these. And it was just, like, you look at it and it looks normal, but then you keep looking at it and it gets, like, more confusing and more impossible. And it's, like, that's kind of like the TVA. You look at it and you're, like, oh, strange but okay and then you keep looking and it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder oh you didn't tell me there's gonna be math involved in this episode apparently math people really liked mc escher but he was like i'm not i'm not a mathematician (laughs) (laughs) oh wow these are all interesting behind the wardrobe facts see you just implanted them into the timeline right (laughs) getting them in there before the tva sweeps me away before we move on can we just talk about mobius real quick because he was such a cool guy i have always been a little crushable on owen wilson i'm like do i like him do i not like him i don't know but then he came back for loki and i like him he's a cool guy and he played mobius so well i fell in love with him it was great i love owen wilson and he's so good because you always see him in comedies i'm like oh he's the cowboy in you know night at the museum he's (laughs) he's the suave young handsome kind stupid model in zoolander (laughs) 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 and then like this is like a very serious role that he 
does like put a little levity into and I like I see Marvel doing this more and more they're not getting like you know classic like dramatic actors that we see like you know that we see in like dramas or just like procedurals or whatever they're getting these comedians and getting them to do very like serious and sometimes dark roles but because they have that like natural comedic nature to them they like put it they inject like a a little bit of fun into it and be a little bit of mystery because it's like oh wait this person's supposed to be scary but how am i how am i supposed to feel about them because you want to like them but you're like that's a bad person that's so true if like katherine hahn as agatha and wandavision evan peters who played quicksilver and then we had uh, and Julia Louis Dreyfus showing up in Black Widow. That's that's a really good point. I love how Marvel's really diversifying its casting with all these actors and actresses that you wouldn't quite imagine in a Marvel, a typical Marvel movie or show. So I'm really excited for the future of the MCU, especially after these past three TV shows we just watched. I know. It's just getting more interesting and more complex, and I love it. Um, I also loved when uh, Mobius is taking (laughs) uh, Loki through a little tour of his life the db cooper scene (laughs) that was so crazy this (laughs) oh my gosh i love this because like i'm a huge mystery and true crime fan and like db cooper is like every tv series every podcast does an episode about db cooper a unidentified man who hijacked a boeing 727 on november 24th 1971 He got $200,000 before jumping out of the plane with a parachute. They have found a lot of the money um, he took because they marked all the bills. But after a 45-year-long investigation, the FBI was like, we don't know. (laughs) That is so crazy. I have to admit, before I saw Loki the first time, I didn't know who D.B. Cooper was. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But it's like... I've had so much fun learning about it just from this little scene in Loki. And now I want to dive into all these podcasts and TV shows that you're talking about. I know it's, it's so much fun. And I love how they're like, of course they never found DB Cooper. He was Loki and Heimdall just like took him back to Asgard. So he literally just jumped out the plane and disappeared. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of brilliant actually. Did, he didn't hurt anyone or anything. He just like no. He just freaked out some airline hostesses. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> but apparently he was like very nice to them. He was just like, "Hey, I have a bomb, and you're gonna give me money and parachutes." Oh wow! Did the plane crash? I'm guessing. No, he jumped out with a parachute. Well, how did it land? Oh yeah, the pilots were still on there. Um, it was oh, actually okay. super common between like I think like the 50s and 70s. 50s and 50s through like the 70s i think planes got hijacked all the time oh god (laughs) by like people wanting money or like wanting to go somewhere specific and it was just easier for the airlines to pay them all (laughs) it's terrible Mm -hmm. Two hundred thousand isn't that much though nowadays they found a lot of it like in the forest though so so it was just a crazy afternoon then yeah or he died when he jumped out of the airplane and just nobody's found his body (laughs) okay (laughs) anyways anyway 
<laughs> Tom Hiddleston looks creepily like the the sketch done of him, which I never realized. Oh my gosh. It's kind of like very, very close and uncanny. It's very close and uncanny. And I just, I love the suave Loki. I also loved, I love seeing like old timey flight attendants because their outfits are always so cute. And I love their stewardesses had that like little hat, which she's kind of just like exaggerated. And then kind of like red was like a big color of theirs. Most of their hostesses were red. And then just she kind of like melded. Like, just kind of, like, what you would think of as, like, a classic, like, airline hostess at the time with, like, their actual uniforms. So, I thought that was really cool. That's so fun. I do also love, like, vintage airline hostess costumes, uniforms. So, this was a lot of fun. A little bit of period in this sci-fi fantasy with no timeline, no sense of time TV show we're watching. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) We got to talk about the run fair for a second because I loved this. Uh, that was so fun. I have never been to a run fair and it oh. kills me. Oh, hey, you just have to come visit me because there's like a run fair like really close to where I live. It looks so fun. I mean, I I so badly want to live in one of these time periods. I just want to be like a medieval knight or a peasant who wears this type of clothes so badly. I know. I didn't see her talk about any of this, but I'm like, either A, they just had a lot of fun dressing background extras that day, or they put out a casting call, which they'll do this. They'll put out a casting call and be like, hey, do you own medieval costumes? Can you take a picture and send it as part of your application. And then they'll be like, okay, cool, come to set in that. Yeah, that's so fun. It's also funny that you see all the characters walking around with like red solo cups too. <laughs> like, I know. Because at first, when we got here, I was like, oh my gosh, is, you know, what time period did they jump to? And I saw the red solo cups and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a run fair. <laughs> and then it's like Wisconsin in the 1980s or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so fun. And I loved the like the barmaid and she was like, oh, you guys aren't in costume. They just ignore her. Some of us need this. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is me whenever I've been at like cosplay convention with like the protesters outside. I'm like, some of us need this. Just go home. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so funny. You're going to have to post some of your cosplay on the Art of Costume Pod Instagram at some point. I probably should, yeah. <laughs> if it's if it ever relates to a, um, a movie we do, I will definitely do that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Oof, but yeah, we imagine... I wonder if these are extras or if she had to do the costuming. Either way, it came out brilliantly. It came out brilliantly. Or even, like, I'm sure if they contacted, like, a Renaissance Fair, they probably could have just got, like... Because all the employees of those Renaissance Fairs, like, have costumes that they have to wear to work. So it could just be all employees of a Renaissance Fair. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about TVA Loki, because episode two is where he gets pretty much his costume for the entire... (laughs) rest of the series pretty with, much yeah with just like a couple exceptions and i think he just looked so dapper i love this shirt um they weren't sure they were gonna go with this shirt at first because both tom hiddleston and christine they were like 
they were afraid it was going to be too corny. But as soon as he put it on, they were like, oh, no, this is this is what we're going with. And she took inspiration from Japanese pattern makers and the way they do kind of like origami construction with their clothing with like, you know, that fold she has on the top. That's basically just like a big collar. She took inspiration from that as just one of those ways to just kind of like twist something that should look very normal and just twist it just to make it a little like cooler, a little more sci-fi, but also a little more like, oh, wait, what was that? What's going on? So obviously he also does a lot of stunts in this. He had 14 shirts (laughs) and 15 pairs of pants and his both of those pieces were made of shark skin fabric, which is just like a no stretch suiting fabric. So she's actually like she was surprised they didn't have to make more of them that they got through, (laughs) which I'm like, that's actually a lot of clothes. But apparently he was like ripping them all the time. Yeah, that's quite the achievement, actually. Yeah, I I'm surprised they didn't um, use more. But she wanted to use the shark skin because it reflects two tones. So the tones in his for the pants were green and brown. So it's like the green of Loki and then that brown of the TVA. The brown like pulls through the most, but it does have like in some scenes you can see that glimmer of the green depending on like the lighting and stuff. So she really put a lot of thought into what ended up being like a very simple looking outfit. There's like a lot of thought there. And also people are like, oh, like, why doesn't he put the armor back on? Like, especially once he's out of the TVA, he could be wearing whatever he wants. And she says they wanted to strip him of the armor because this was about like an emotional journey for him. And like, you wanted to see his internal journey. So they just were like, we just stripped the armor like off right away to better see that journey reflected in a more simple costume. I love that choice. I think that's really interesting. And, you know, like we mentioned earlier, Loki's kind of like a detective in this show. He's not like Loki the warrior with his armor. And he didn't really he didn't really need armor so much because, I mean, it's not like he was fighting armies. It's more just like this journey that he's on. So I think the detective outfit was actually a really great choice. And and I'm looking at that shirt that Loki wore. I didn't realize that, like, the collar is a part of the shirt. Yeah. Isn't that cool? And I'm, like, blown away. That is so cool. I don't know how I miss this every time. I knew I liked the shirt. I was like, ooh, I love that, like, raglan seam, um, you know, across his chest. I thought that was so cool. But I didn't realize, like, the collar is a part of that seam. That is such a cool shirt. I'm in love with it. That's so cool. Right? I would, like, if someone made that, I would buy it for myself. I don't think it's corny at all. I think that that seam feels very futuristic to me. So, to me, that reads sci-fi. Same. I'm like, it's a very DMV sci-fi future, but (laughs) sci-fi nonetheless. (laughs) And um, in an interview with Collider, she was asked, like, you know, Mobius and Loki, they look very similar throughout the whole thing. She said the whole look in itself is kind of like film noir. So, yeah, the men are going to look kind of similar. But she said, I think it speaks more to the whole TVA and trying to strip people away from their origins. It's trying to take the personality of it. So it's very much like, yeah, it 
they all look the same because the TVA has taken away who they are. That's a great point. Because as we learn, they are all variants. <laughs> Literally, you're a variant. You're a variant. We're all variants. We're all variants, and we all just have to deal with it. What if we're variants? What if the real Spencer is, like, actually out there with, like, I don't know, maybe he's a film star or a TV star, and I'm, like, the podcast variant? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I would be very disappointed if there are better better variants of us out there. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'm like I'm like the weird nerdy variant and then maybe there's like a super hot like Brad Pitt type Spencer variant out there. That's like the real Spencer. Oh Spencer, you're the real Spencer. <laughs> you know, that's actually kind of a good feeling. Maybe there is like a good Spencer out there just like killing it day to day. <laughs> you go Spencer. I know you're out there. <laughs> you know who else is on the go? Sylvie. <laughs> One of the Lokis. <laughs> One of the Lokis. In episode three, we finally figure out what this whole mess is about. I love this episode. They're after the female Loki variant. And she's a badass. Oof, yeah. I love this episode. Oh, I love her. Sylvie, I'm so glad that she's going to be a part of the MCU now because she's a badass, like you said. Loved her. She's a badass. In an interview with Looper, um, Wada said... Because the whole time was just trying to give her a history of feeling that she was this Mad Max. Basically a warrior out there just with the battle scars and wounds of jumping through time and fighting this fight. And I'm like, yes, because she was asked, like, why is the one horn broken off? And she's like, she, she she's a warrior. She's been fighting. She doesn't have time to, like, go fix her little her little crown. Yeah, she's been fighting for a long time. That's really sad. And she can't stay in one place for too long. But I loved her. Her costume was badass. And the actress, Sofia Martino, love her. So good. I love how it's kind of translated from, like, Loki's usual armor. But she did take, like, a lot of Nordic influence and did try to give her her, like, own unique Loki look. Also, a lot of people have speculated that she might be the character Enchantress. And when she was speaking to Insider, she didn't confirm it, but she's like, there's a nod there. And you can kind of see in like how her horn crown like frames her face. You can kind of see it reflected in the Enchantress character. Ooh, I kind of see it. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, she has been confirmed as Enchantress, but also they haven't say uh, he who remains is King to Conqueror just yet. I mean, it's like we know where it's going, but they haven't said it yet. So I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised either. Well, the Marvel nerd just really jumped out of us just now. <laughs> it did. It did. <laughs> Uh, the sewing nerd's about to jump out of me because I had no idea about how awesome the construction of her costume actually is. Because at the time of filming Loki, Sophia was a new mother. She was pumping and breastfeeding. And Christine, as soon as she had the first fitting, she was like, oh, the costume's got to accommodate this. She was like, we can't have, she can't feel uncomfortable and feel like she can't do what she needs to do for her child in this costume. So she actually has two zippers in the base of it to like unzip so she can feed, pump, do whatever she needed to do and then get back on set. And I was like, that's so important like to 
you know, just allow women to do what they need to do and recognize that, like, they can still work and do everything they need to if they have a kid. It's just, like, give them just a little bit of time and space and you'll have an amazing kick-ass actress. Yeah, that's it's brilliant. I remember when this news article, all these news articles were coming out. And I just loved it so much. I think it's really important that as costume designers, you know, we're doing what we can to take care of the actors and actresses, especially like working mothers, and make sure that they're comfortable on set. Because if they're comfortable, they're going to do their best work as well for the show or the film or the music video or whatever. And I just, you know, I don't think it should have to be this crazy thing. Where, you know, in all of our different creative fields, we're doing the best we can to like take care of one another as human beings. So I thought that this was really awesome that the costume designer and Sophia got together and were like, how can we make this work for each other? You know, how can I give you a kick ass costume while making sure that you're comfortable and doing what you can to take care of your child? Because that's what's most important to you. So I love that. It's brilliant. Yeah, I love it. It's a nice turnaround. Especially because, like, it's not that long ago where, like, being an actress and, like, having a child, it was, like, you either had to, like, stop working or just, like, hide that yeah. pretty much. <laughs> like, Oh, gosh. Um, but, yeah, Sylvie's costume was just badass. I love it. The, like, leather work on it. I do see the Nordic influence, like you mentioned. Her crown's cool because it's, like, a smaller, more minimalist version of Loki's big, like, super dramatic theatrical crown he used to wear. I love her hood with, like, the subtle green colors to it. I think it's probably my favorite costume of the entire show, for sure. But that's before we talk about Gator Loki because he <laughs> actually wears my favorite costume, but we'll get there. You should just be Gator Loki for Halloween. You know I've considered it. You know I've considered it. <laughs> anyway, let's get into Lamantis a little bit more. I loved these guards. <laughs> they're so cool. These guards look so cool. And I was like, I love that they're all wearing just like these like sweater vest uniforms. <laughs> I know. It's so like they're supposed to look badass and scary, but also like kind of posh, a little fashionable too. And they look, you know, they're a little warm and probably cozy. I'm into this. Maybe we should start making things out of sweaters. So, you know, we're still scary, but also cozy. I'm into this too. And it's like, it's like they're these like sweaters in like this like bright blue color but then like the way the mask just like completely blocks out their face and comes to like the tip and it's like pointy it's like oh that is scary it's like you put the you put the helmet up and it's like oh it's a person in like a sweater you put it down it's a scary <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of the hunger games like guard costumes from a few of the hunger game movies but also, like, this has a little bit of, like, a retro sci-fi feel to it at the same time with, like, when the helmet lifts up, like you said. Like, it's almost like when a helmet's down, they're scary with the point, but they lift up the helmet and it's like, oh, it's like a bike helmet. <laughs> you know? It looks kind of silly. Honestly, if you put these in, like, some sort of, like, lame or other, like, metallic fabric... It would look like something out of Doctor Who from, like, the 1960s. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny to me. Um, a scene that I wanted to talk about that I absolutely loved was from episode three as well. Because in the TVA, they mentioned that Loki's uh, sex is gender fluid, which I thought was super 
awesome to see represent in the MCU. It was a subtle light note that they put in there. But, you know, this has kind of been known throughout the Marvel Comics world already. Um, and then also in the scene, Loki kind of reveals that he's bisexual, which I thought was awesome, too. Because we've always kind of thought this, but it was nice to hear it out loud in like a big scale TV format. You know, some people were kind of upset. They're like, oh, they did this in just like some random episode of a TV show. But I feel like these TV shows are like the future of the MCU. So I saw this as a big deal. I I think so, too, especially because I feel like TV is kind of replacing films as like the dominant artistic format. So... I feel like it makes a bigger impact because it's going to reach more people because more people have access to television than the ability to go to a movie theater. And then also, it was very natural to the story. They weren't like making a big deal out of it. It's just like we are confirming what's kind of already known. And it's like they're having a conversation about themselves. They're opening up and like kind of being vulnerable with each other. And he's like, yeah. I sleep with men and women. How about you? I'm Loki. Like, what did you expect? You know? <laughs> like, I'm a god of mischief. Like, <laughs> I do what I want. I thought it was beautiful. Oh, sorry. I just totally punched my mic. Uh, I'm just very passionate, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it probably hurt Daniel's ears. Um, I just thought it was awesome because everyone loves Loki. Like, no matter who you talk to. So, it was just really awesome for Loki to come out in this way in a subtle beautiful way and just like this entire episode too just like i'm so in love with the colors too and the music and it just felt like such a dream episode even though like literally the world's crumbling around them it still was so beautiful um it was like one big old dream painting so that mixed with loki's revelation just loved it so much I know this this was a really a great episode and it's like the perfect little like tipping point to the rest of the series. Yes. I love though this action sequence at the end of episode 3 when the world really oh <laughs> literally quite falls apart and suddenly it's I'm like, like this is where he ripped all those pants. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was suddenly it's like oh we got to get out of here things are blowing up. We get like this awesome fighting sequence where Loki and Sylvie get to like do their thing which I love the like Loki fighting style with like these daggers that just appear that they're able to pull out with magic and it's, it was just so much fun. Also, this is when I really saw Loki's shirt for the first time when he was walking through these streets and it glowed upon like that raglan seam. And I was like, ooh, that's a nice shirt. I love that shirt. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, this is a beautiful, beautiful visuals, beautiful story. It's a horrible scene of a planet being broken apart, but it really gets gets you in the heart. <laughs> Uh, it was so heartwarming watching this planet get absolutely obliterated. But <laughs> the personal developments between Loki and Sylvie were really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel I feel like I need a little break. I feel like I need to get my emotions in check before the rest of this. Yeah. Not because of the world falling apart, but because of Loki's personal development. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. take a little break. <laughs> Thank you. 
Elizabeth, are you ready to break down the rest of Loki? Oh, I am ready for the Nexus event. <laughs> All right, so we start episode four, and we get to see a young Sylvie just living her life on Asgard. And I love this scene mostly because the actress who plays young Sylvie is Kaylee Fleming, which we all know I am a huge fan of The Walking Dead. Yeah, I might be one of the last remaining fans of The Walking Dead uh, just because it's been on for so long. Is that over yet? Not yet. We're moving into the last season. It's really good. And anyone who will listen to me, I will tell you why you need to keep watching Walking Dead because it gets better. Anyways, Rick Grimes' daughter in the show, Judith Grimes, the actress is Kaylee Fleming. So this was one of her new roles in Loki. And I thought she did a great job. She's such a kick-ass actress, this young girl. She's brilliant. I, I must say, I do love her in both The Walking Dead and as young Sylvie. She's so sweet and innocent, which they were like, Mm-mm, you can't be bringing peace between all people, Sylvie as a Loki, so we're going to take you out of the timeline now. (laughs) Uh, She was so cute, and Insider points out that, like, one of the cute little details that, like, you don't notice at all is that the um, writing on her costume when she's younger is the same that's on her sword later on, which I'm like, that's such a cool little detail. Such a cool note. And young Sylvie's costume was brilliant. She looked really good, and I loved the detail on this costume. Yeah. I was like, oh, that is just like a little girl Loki. Aw. Aw, so cute. So does that mean she was a frost giant also? Like, does this work for all the variants? Probably. She says she knows she was uh, adopted. Interesting. Anyways. (laughs) Anyway, another fun little surprise in this episode is... Jamie Alexander is back as Lady Sith. Oh, this is so fun. I I love this. I think this is her costume from... What was the last movie she was in? Thor Dark World? One of the Thors, but not Ragnarok. And it was just... It was so nice to see her, because I, I know she's, like, willing to come back to the role whenever, and I'm like, she's, like, such an underused, badass character. Like, I wish they would just use her. I know, I wish she would come back in some way for the new... Because we never saw her die or anything. I guess it's just... She's the only one that didn't die of his friends. I guess it's just assumed that she was on Asgard when Ragnarok happened. Maybe she wasn't there. I don't know. I think it's assumed that she was off-world when it happened. Hopefully, because that gives us more hope that maybe she'll show up in the new Thor. Maybe? Eyebrows, eyebrows? Uh, but yeah, she played such a badass, and I love seeing her costume again. Uh, that scene where she just continuously keeps walking in the room and punching Loki and kicking him in the groin. I mean, that's some brilliant writing right there. It, yeah, it really was. <laughs> it's so much fun. This brings us also, in these episodes, we got to see the mysterious timekeepers. And I have to say, I was so excited to see the timekeepers. I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. I love, like, a creepy alien. It gave me, like, Emperor Snoke vibes from one of the new Star Wars. So I was really excited, but then also really disappointed to find out that they're actually not real. And they're just, like, Chuck E. Cheese animatronics. 
I know. I was like, <laughs> what is with this? <laughs> Everyone is like, what is happening? I don't know. And I love, they just have like, they're exactly how you think they would appear with like the long robes and they're floating. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that like Liberace cape that almost looks like gills or like, like it looks like it's part of their body, but it's actually just like the robe. It's really cool. Yeah. And then they're just robots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But it's also funny, though, when I rewatched it for this podcast and I saw the timekeepers, they do have like certain parts of them that make them feel like animatronics. Like you could barely understand what the bottom two are saying. They're literally just like. And I was like, that was not English. Yeah, no. And it's like, no wonder they never leave that room. (laughs) No one's ever seen them stand up or anything. So (laughs) just shows how gullible the TVA was at the same time, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Well, they had their minds wiped. Yeah. Well, it'd be like that sometimes. Uh, That brings us into episode five, Journey into Mystery, and episode six, For All Time, Always. I loved Journey into Mystery. Oh, yeah. I think that's definitely my favorite episode by far. It's so fun. They had about like eight or ten Lokis. And they had so they had to make costumes for all of them. And then also stunt costumes for all of them. (laughs) Because they just all start fighting. So you had to have two of those. And she was like, it was just scavenging through, like, time and history to figure out, like, who was who and, like, what we were going to (laughs) do. So much prep time must have went into this episode. I know. And the Lokis are all, like, they're full of little Easter eggs. Like, the kind of, like, tie clip the president Loki has is inspired by the piece of engraved, like, plate armor he has in the original Thor movie. They just, like, turned it into, like, a little tie bar. Yeah. That's really interesting. I never even saw that. My favorite Loki? Well, my second favorite Loki. We'll get to my favorite Loki. Everybody's favorite Loki variant. (laughs) No. My favorite Loki. Except for you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll just start. My favorite Loki is Gator Loki. He's brilliant. He's cute. He is the moment. He's an icon. He's a legend. Or she. I don't know. Maybe the gator's non-binary. We don't know anything about Gator Loki, except Gator Loki's a badass. I love Gator Loki, and I would die for Gator Loki. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> My second favorite Gator Loki is Classic Loki, played by the Richard E. Grant. Uh, he, this was such a, it was such a small part, but it was so good. And they really just, like, went back to the original character So much so that their textile department found vintage fabric. Brilliant. Aged it. Even they like um, did some textile art on it. They wanted it to look like, oh, yes, this is old, but not like run down. And it like it just comes off so perfectly. And apparently Richard E. Grant was really upset that he didn't get a muscle suit. But they were like. (laughs) Here's a cape that it took seven yards of fabric. And he was like, okay, I like that. (laughs) Seven yards of fabric for one cape. That's brilliant, though. Uh, I loved him. He did this character so well. 
I love the fabric, and I love that in these TV shows, Maya's Rubio and Christine Wada both got to like explore the retro, vintagey, classic costumes of some of these superheroes with Wanda and Vision, and now like the classic Loki. It's not a different actor, but it's still <laughs> so fun. His crown is cool. I love like the pointed shape on his collar, and then like you said, that cape was awesome. It, it really was. I also loved, like, young, like, teen Loki, <laughs> <laughs> who was just hanging out like, yeah, I'm in charge. And the, like, super Nordic Loki. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. It felt very, like, Vikings-type Loki. Yeah. How he had a hammer, too. <laughs> yeah, that was so cool. So fun. I loved how they were just imagining all the different ways you could do a Loki, which the limit does not exist, as we saw with Gator Loki sitting in his kiddie pool, which that was a great note. I just love gators. I'll try not to bring up Naked and Afraid again, because, you know, we talked about that already. Didn't you guys go hold baby gators in Louisiana? Yeah, I got to hold a little baby gator. He looked just like that. It was so fun, and I want a pet gator really bad. I will never come to your home again if you get a pet gator. <laughs> what? Like, even if he's just sitting in, like, a baby pool, just, like, growling? Yeah, that's not something you mess with, Spencer. <laughs> you know who else you don't mess with? Miss Minutes! Miss Minutes scared the absolute out of me in the last episode when they're walking through the Citadel. Miss Minutes just appeared out of nowhere. I almost jumped all the way off my couch and into the ceiling. I was so scared. I was, like, so suspicious of Miss, Miss Minutes once you realized she wasn't just, like, an animated cartoon, that she was, like, a living entity. And I was like, she's the timekeeper. She's the timekeeper. She's the timekeeper! Oh, she's not the timekeeper. <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs> uh, Miss Minutes is played by brilliant voice actress Tara Strong. And I loved looking into her history because she is one of the most accomplished voice actresses of all time. She's done all of our favorite shows. She played Timmy Turner and Fairly Odd Parents. She played Bubbles from Powerpuff Girls, Raven from Teen Titans. She played Harley Quinn in some instances of the of the Batman video games. She's done it all. I mean, you could go through her IMDb forever. She played characters in Rugrats. She's done it all. And now she's done Miss Minutes. She's a badass. I'm obsessed. She's just a total badass. And I loved Miss Minutes. Like, just that, like, vintage. Like, it reminded me of the, like, let's go to the movies sort of animation. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yes, I, I know exactly what you mean. But with, like, a very southern, like, sassy woman who's just trying to educate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so perfect. Like, I wouldn't mind having my own, like, Miss Minutes that, like, you know, helped me go through my Google Drive and help me find my files, you know? Yeah. Also... Note to our editor, Daniel, she also played Riku from Final Fantasy. That'll make you happy. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And Kira from Jack and Dexter, but that's just for me personally, probably. Anyways, Tara Strong, you did a great job as Miss Minutes, but we will move on. The final character, He Who Remains. Jonathan Majors is in the house playing He Who Remains. And this was such a fun surprise when that door opened up and we saw him sitting there. I was just like, what? Like, hold on. And like, 
he who remains, like, he's just, like, he's so tired. He's so bored. He doesn't know how to interact with people anymore. He's totally like us after quarantine during a pandemic. We just were like, how do we interact with people? I don't know. There's people? (laughs) (laughs) They don't live in my computer? (laughs) This was such a fun surprise. Literally, when I watched Loki, it was right after I finished Lovecraft Country. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. I just saw Wunmi Masaku, and now we have Jonathan Majors. This is brilliant. And, like, he's such... I can't wait to see what else Jonathan Majors does because he's such a good actor. Because, like, you don't think about Atticus when you're watching him play He Who Remains, and you're not thinking of He Who Remains while you're watching him play Atticus. Like, his range is so good. He knows what he's doing, and I love it. And he had such, like, an interesting character to play because he's like, is he evil? Is he good? Is he just doing his job? I don't know. Now he's really angry. He's chaotic neutral. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, has an anger tantrum, but then he's also, like, nice and polite. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, it was just such a fun character, and his costume was super cool. I know. I love how it's, like... He clearly found what he liked a long time ago and just keeps wearing the same thing. <laughs> right. I love that. And it's like you with the way his robe is, it's like you get like magician vibes. But then he's talking about how he's a scientist and that's how he figured out like everything out. And I'm just like, what is it? Because the stained glass window reminds me of Doctor Strange and I don't <laughs> know what's what. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, it was just so fun, and I'm really, really excited to see what else Jonathan Majors does with an MCU, because, of course, Sylvie and Loki have a little bit of a fight with uh, He Who Remains, which leads to, it looks like the multiverse being ripped into a thousand different directions, which I believe this paired with WandaVision. Uh, We're going to see a lot of crazy stuff happens. This probably leads to the new Spider-Man movie, the new Doctor Strange movie. Will he who remains become King the Conqueror? Will he become Immortus? There's so many different variations of who we think this character might turn out to be based off of the comic books. It's going to be so fun. I know that he was casted for the new Ant-Man movie at some point. So I'm excited. We'll see. I'm so excited. This was such a good series and it, I, th- I honestly thought it was going to be another one-off series. I'm so excited they're coming back for a season two. Oh, I know, right? When the ed- end credits came, I was like, please, 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 please. And they did say that it will com- be coming back for season two. That'll be fun. I'm just happy that Tom Hiddleston is not done yet. That was my biggest fear. I know. I, you know I was devastated when they killed off Loki in the movies. Oh, I was in the movie theaters <laughs> I- with you. Was not okay with that. So I was I was really excited to find out this was happening. And I'm excited. I hope um, Christine Wada does the second season so we can see what else she has up her sleeve. Because this was brilliant. Yeah, that's... She did such a great job. And I am, like you said, I'm excited to see... Hopefully she comes back. And excited to see like where she goes with these characters. Because they're going to be going into who knows where after this. Because the TVA is going to be all over the place now. See the different costume variations she does for all these characters as they start drifting through this crazy multiverse that has opened up. That'd be awesome. Christine Wada, you're a badass and we love you. You did a great job. We love you here 
if you want to talk about it, please let us know. <laughs> yeah. We would love to have you on. Yes. I would actually love to have her on. That would be so cool. We'll hook it up. We'll hook it up. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, that brings us to the end of Loki. That was so fun. That was so fun. I, it just, it's a series that makes me excited to see what else the MCU will come out with. Yes, and I just love that they were like, we're not done yet with Tom Hiddleston. He's such a great actor, and we should have him as long as he wants to do this. You know, if we have to keep pulling up different Loki variants, that's fine with me. Because he's a great character, Loki is, and there's so many different layers to him. He's not a bad guy, but he's not a good guy. He's just Loki, and he's just so fun to watch. I love him. I I watched like some interview with him once and he was like you know i sat in the theaters watching iron man and thinking like oh wow i i'll never get a a movie like that and then a couple years later he's like i am playing loki in an mcu movie and like he's like this is just the greatest thing ever like he can't believe he has this opportunity and i love it he's so cute (laughs) we're having like a little fan moment he's just so good in every movie He's in, especially the MCU. I love him in Thor Ragnarok. So funny. Um, Even the second Thor movie, I love that one a lot. It's just, he's so great. Anyways, (laughs) we could go on and on and on about Tom Hiddleston. I mean, so much so, we did Crimson Peak last week, and now we're talking about Loki this week. (laughs) Yeah, but unfortunately, we have to get off the Tom Hiddleston train for a little bit because... It's spooky season. Spencer, what's our spooky movie going to be? Ooh, I am so excited to share that next week we're going to be watching a Tim Burton classic. One of my favorites. Sweeney Todd with Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter. It's so good. I am so excited. I've never seen this before. Uh, I'm ready for it. You're going to love it. The costumes are beautiful. The We've never done a musical before. So this is our first time, you know, going into some musical scenes. I know. It's just such a fun, fun movie. It's very Tim Burton-esque. And of course, the costumes are by Colleen Atwood. So, you know, it's going to be good. Love her. Oh, this is going to be great. Yeah, she's the legend, Colleen Atwood. Legend. Everybody, go watch Sweeney Todd. Research Colleen Atwood. Come back next week, and we'll talk about Sweeney Todd together. Have a good weekend. The Art of Costume Blogcast is hosted by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass with associate producer Spencer Williams. Our sound design and engineering is done by Daniel White. Follow us on Instagram at the Art of Costume Pod. Or visit the Art of Costume Blogcast.com for all blogcast updates. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, visit theartofcostume.com. A blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design.